And we're back, back again, the Pacific Rim Pro Wrestling Podcast, the show that takes you from Seattle to Tokyo and all points throughout history. From the Seattle area, I'm longtime fan and broadcaster Jim Valley, and we go across the Pacific Ocean, the Pacific Rim, to Tokyo, Japan, and Japan's leading historian and journalist, and the guy who is actually making all the rounds these days, Fumi Saito. You've been so busy. I'm glad, I got, to, I, I'm glad I got to catch <laughs> up with you. Yes. Yes. How are you? I'm good. So, yeah. It's been busy. How's the uh, How's the book tour going? Sounds like you're doing a lot of interviews. Yeah, for some reason, it's not me though. It's uh, subject matter. Uh, you know, it was a week that the people remembered Bruce Brody and his legacy, and how big he was, and uh, it was more like a th- bringing back your childhood memory too, because thirty years, you know, just like we, you and I talked about. Um, 30 years ago, July 17th, where were you? And you remember where you were exactly, you know? 30 years. So if you were 45 years old now, you know, you would mean 15, right? So you'd be ninth grade or 10th grade. And uh, that July summer day, I was there. Certainly brings back all the actual memories. Not just about that day, about Brody, but you remember what you did that summer. You were young, you know? Uh, kind of stand by me. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. I do actually, you know, it's funny you mentioned it. I do now remember where I was and what I was doing. And I remember. When you heard that. Yeah. And yeah. I had to explain to someone about it too. Yeah. Boy, that's Yeah, you just, have to. You just took me back. You're like a disc jockey on the radio or something playing a song. <laughs> stand by me. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And then also, summer is very special time, you know? And, uh, for some reason, you, you remember did what you did that that summer, you know. <laughs> they made horror movie too, you know. I know what you did last summer, you know. So, so summer is yeah. When, yeah. How big is the remembrance been uh, for Bruiser Brody on this thirtieth anniversary? Oh, everybody! Oh, it's, almost everybody, you know, talking about it. You know, right? That was thirty years. Oh, I couldn't. Oh, it's like people didn't realize it was thirty years. You know. So 30 years thing is kind of special, you know, because it's bringing back. If it was 40 years, it's way, way too long ago. And if it was 10 years, oh, wow, it's already 10 years. But 30 years seem real long time, right? But you do remember what you did 30 years ago. What type of things are people asking you about Brody? Uh, Well, what's on the book? Or... Did you find out the, the truth about his murder case, or, or what? Why? What made you, you know, you know, write this book, or these questions? You know, it's, it's not like asking me question, but I believe they're asking themselves question. Wow, right? It's been thirty years, and I loved Brody that much, and. Uh, he was my hero. Actually, I watched a lot more wrestling then, or, you know, that kind of things. Now, you mentioned uh, people asking about his murder. Is there, given the culture in Japan, do, do they have a hard time grasping how the murderer got away with everything? Yeah, they want to know what happened to the guy who killed him, but not like they're digging it. It's like... A, Wow, that was a very scary thing that the Bruiser Brody was here all the time, right? All the time. And all of a sudden, he was gone. You can't see him again, you know? Then not he wasn't sick. It was suddenly taken, you know, it was taken away from us. And, uh, yeah, it was the reality thing that the wow if he's gone we can't see him ever again that kind of thing you know and then it hit you when you were 15 years old you know what i'm saying and i think a lot of people stopped watching wrestling not right after that because of it but uh, people do leave wrestling a lot of times you know, yeah i used to watch wrestling so much when i was young you know not like you and i who never left <laughs> you know but uh, um, a lot of people somewhat stopped watching wrestling at some point huh i but, remember one uh, time we were at a, a friend's house 
watching. I don't yeah. know. It must have been one of the. It was one of the WrestleManias because we were having a yeah. WrestleMania party at his friends at my friend's house, oh, and his okay, daughter came pizza, home. Yeah. His, his young daughter came home, and he yeah. was like, "Hey, you want to watch wrestling?" She's like, no. He goes, oh, you used to love it. She's like, yeah, not so much. And I was like, yeah, she grew out of it. She grew up. We didn't. <laughs> a lot of people do. Yeah, yeah, she grew up, but we didn't. We're still watching. We're still watching. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Some grown people, man yeah. watching wrestling. And also, you, you know, you haven't, you didn't watch wrestling for ten year period, fifteen year period. You know, with with some good, some reason, probably start watching it again. You know, and realize how much you loved it. So everybody has a different cycle, huh? Now, did you go to a, uh, a party for uh, Matoko Baba? Yes, yes, it was uh, uh, a couple of days ago, yes. It was, um, they did not have, you know, big funeral service or anything like that. They they did that with just very close family member. They didn't have a big family, but her niece had to run it, and uh, they... Um, they did everything in the first few days after you know she died, and then announced it. You know, right? You know, we lost our, our aunt, and uh, all you know, New Japan. I mean, old Japan, old people, and her relative got together and organized this party at the hot, you know, uh, capital Tokyo Hotel where Mr. and Mrs. Baba used to. You know, use you know. This, there's a there's an origami. Okay, name of the restaurant is origami. That's where Mr. and Mrs. Baba was always at. Not just they had lunch every day there, or even had meeting there. Baba was sitting in the coffee you know place all afternoon. You know, so they used that origami restaurant as their living room sort of. And uh, they used that same restaurant, you know, at the, at the Tokyo, capital Tokyo Hotel. So everybody, you know, came back and so, yeah, this is the hotel we used to visit, Mr. Baba. And uh, that was the thing, you know. It's an old, old hotel where Beatles used to stay, you know, stayed one time. Michael Jackson came and stayed at one point. So it's an old hotel, kind of like a plaza hotel in New York, you know, kind of thing. And you were saying that was almost like their living room. They did business there, too. Yeah, yeah, in a restaurant. It's just a good old restaurant in hotel. You know, you always have old you know, restaurant in hotel, right? So it's just kind of conventional, but uh, they were always there, you know? So people associate this, you know, this old origami restaurant with giant Baba's legacy, wrestling, all Japan pro wrestling, all the guys in wrestler came in, had meet, meeting with Baba, Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Baba, or, you know, kind of like the, uh, you know, downtown Tokyo hotel where you might run into somebody famous kind of thing. Man, I wish I would have stayed you know, so, there when we were there this past <laughs> Yeah, you know, some hotel, you know, like when you were a kid, you know, if you go to that um, hotel lobby, you might run into so and so, so and so, you know, and that was that hotel then. Yeah. By the way, Ko speak- Plaza Hotel. Yeah. Someone, like, someone uh, wanted to know yeah. where the uh, the Bruiser Brody interview that we up, uh, uploaded from nineteen. Oh, that was a Ko Plaza Hotel. It was in where? Shinjuku. In Shinjuku. A Ko Plaza Hotel in Shinjuku. That's where all the New Japan wrestlers used to stay. Andre the Giant, um, Hulk Hogan. Kerry Van Erich, Dick Murdoch, also Bruce Brody, of course, while he worked for New Japan. All these old memories, you know, masked superstar without mask, people, you know, kids recognize him without mask, all those things. Because <laughs> they used to walk around in the hotel lobby, right? And uh, kids were, in, like during summer, especially, you know, used, you know, kind of sneak in hotel as a kid. And you know, sitting in a hotel lobby waiting for wrestler walking by, you know, to walk by and stuff. It's another summer adventure type of thing. <laughs> Can you? Yeah, I can picture I, that. I have never done that. I've been. Okay. I have stayed at the hotel. Well, I grew up in city, so. Well, no, I'm know? just saying. I have just by by chance or circumstance been where the wrestlers were, but I have never. Okay. I've never stalked them. You know who did that too in New York City? You know, like a Marriott Hotel in New York? Paul Ham- Young Paul Heyman. Yeah. Yeah, he used to come to the hotel and sit and wait for wrestlers. You know? Well, yeah, I think there's a story of him calling uh, Vince Vincent J. McMahon. 
uh, mm. get, and got uh, press credentials. As a young kid. Yeah, as a nobody, he was able to finagle press credentials. So good for him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah look what happened to him. <laughs> you know? So uh, it's good. What about the uh, the yeah. passing of uh, Masa Saito? I see that there's been a lot of remembrances for that. Oh, God. It was like, um, actually, Masa had passed away this last Saturday night uh, into Monday morning, somewhere around there, uh, the Sunday morning-ish. Um, I got a text message from a couple of people as of Monday morning asking me whereabouts of Masa, did you hear about, uh, where is he? And it's, it's kind of being discreet kind of thing. And it was somebody's friend, like, wow, that's kind of distant, but somebody's friend from Meiji University wrestling team, you know, where Masa used to, you know, walk well, 50, some 60 years ago, but uh, Meiji University wrestling team alumni looking for him, right? And uh, another person text messaged me, asked me about, um, when was the last time you spoke with Masa kind of thing, right? So, so these two people thought I would know, right? Which I didn't know anything about, you know? So I text message a couple wrestlers. Maybe I shouldn't, you know, probably mention the name, but I text message two wrestlers, older wrestlers who might know the latest, you know? They didn't know. And a couple hours later, somebody text messaged me again and said, I think he is gone. And I said, uh oh, right? And uh, then two hours later, you know, it's, I wasn't sure yet. And at uh, 5 p.m., uh, 5 o'clock on Monday afternoon, Kensuke Sasaki and Akira Hokuto's office announced it on their website that the passing of Masa, two, two hours later, you know, and right. So, so that was uh, confirmation. Now they were close. Yeah, yes, and also whenever, yeah, they are close, and also they were, um, that was an office that uh, when somebody wants to interview Masa Saito, they would go to Akira Hokuto and Kensuke's office, where, you know, that's where officially you can find him, or or the book, book the interviews or something like that, you know, and they felt responsible, right? Or that they were the people they should, you know, officially announce to confirm it, you know. Yeah. Or they will be the first one to know, you know, besides Masa's wife, you know. So what has been the response in Japan? Because when we talked, it was very new uh, when it happened. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very big, very big. Big, I mean, big meaning it, uh, big news. Uh, he was Antonio Inoki's number one rival. And also uh, he was famous... Um, big heel wrestler who had big success in America, and uh, and also uh, the type of wrestler that uh, you know went to Olympic. Okay, Meiji University graduate, and went to 1964 Tokyo Olympic. That's the very the turning professional wrestler. That's like elite professional wrestler, but he decided to go to America, and. Uh, and back in late 60s and 70s, you had people like Masa Saito, the Hiro Matsuda, or a little bit later on, you know, like people like Great Kabuki, the Killer Khan, the, you know, handful wrestlers who, not like Japanese American wrestlers, yeah, like you have Professor Tanaka or Mr. Fuji, but these actual Japanese wrestlers who moved to America and got green card, and uh, wow he was going to become an American or something and, you know, just left home, but he had such successful professional career there. And, uh, this is what you can do, you know, if you are a professional wrestler or a baseball player, you know, wow, he left home, but he had such a success, you know, and it was somebody that you hear about. And then occasional, you know, occasional tour he had. Every couple of years he comes back to Japan, have just one or two tour, and leaves again. You know what I mean? And the first time I watched Masa Saito on television was, I believe, I was like a fifth grade. You know, and uh, he was already Masa Saito. So the very next day I started calling myself Fumi Saito. 
<laughs> that was it. So you were proud to be a Saito. Oh, very much so. And also, she, he's Masanori Saito, and I'm Fumihiko Saito. And I, well, to make your first name short and kind of cool, he was Masa Saito. I should be Fumi Saito. Like, that's why. <laughs> Fifth grader, you know, wrestling fan, you know, and then, you know, you know, like imagine yourself be somebody and, you know, you change your name kind of thing. And uh, he was my hero, you know. I didn't know that. I don't think you mentioned that on the last show. Ah, that's personal. What <laughs> yeah. Um, so I noticed, like, for example, uh, Kento Miyahara held up a, a yes. picture. And there's been some other yeah. remembrances that shows. Yeah, the good thing, though, was uh, um, it was, I believe, like a 2013, 14-ish, 15, probably like a four, you know, four or five years ago. Kento Miyahara, now the Triple Crown champion, right? And uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima, you know, GH, you know, uh, Pro Wrestling Nose champion. And also Masa Kita, Kitamiya, now tag team par partner of Katsuhiko Nakajima, then such a young boy. They were all at Kensuke's dojo, you know, eating lunch with Masa. Last time I visited there, you know, they're all young boys. See, there's a living, huge living room space second floor of Kensuke Sasaki's office and dojo. There's upstairs living room where all the young boys and young wrestlers and trainees, they all gather and have lunch. And Masa was there, you know. And uh, Kento Miyahara was not star yet, you know, just a rookie, right? Um, Katsuhiko Nakajima then, what, 20, year old, 20 years old, something? And uh, Miyahara... Uh, not, not just me, uh, Kitamiya too, a very young boy. They were there and, you know, listening to what Masa was saying, you know. And uh, I, I witnessed, you know, that, wow, Masa is a mentor to everybody, you know. Now it's good memory, you know. Indeed, good memories. Uh... Yeah, yeah, because they were young and they became, they went on and became star too. You know, Masa must be proud of them, you know. The other thing that we haven't had a chance to talk about because we had so many things pop up yeah. is over the July 4th weekend of this month. Right. So this I wouldn't the... want to say overlooked, Yeah. You know, but we have to talk about this guy. Adrian and Adonis. Adonis, yeah. And also, like, uh, being July 4th, you know, his news has always been kind of overlooked, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And then yeah. Brody came out and that kind of... Two weeks later. Yeah. yeah. That kind of, uh, you know, uh, put him into the background again as well. You're right. Right. And also people, even hardcore fans over 45, 50 years old, you know, a lot of people, or I'd say most people now that uh, remember Adrian with this blonde hair gay act in, in WWE during, you know, late 80s, right? But that was like his last you know, effort, you know, in the WWE, but uh, he, in early 80s, was at, at one point, he was one of the best wrestlers in the world. Yeah, I think there's no question he was one of the, the, the best wrestlers in the world. Uh, you know, a great example is in the dying days of the Southwest Territory, they tried to create a world championship and they had Joe Blanchard territory, yeah, yes. Yeah, and they had a tournament. And they created a championship belt to look just like NWA belt. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they had a tournament, and the finals were uh, Bob Orton and Adrian Adonis. And mm -hmm, Luthez mm -hmm. was the referee to try to give it mm -hmm. some credibility. And mm -hmm, Adonis mm -hmm. was the guy they chose to be their world champion. Right. It, uh, that tournament even had people like Dickie Slater... You know, and uh, yeah, pretty good people at the time there, you know. And uh, he was an instant hit when he made first appearance with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Was it 81 or 82? That is slipping my mind. But uh, yeah, very early 80s. That was the summer when uh, original Tiger Mask, Sayama Tiger was still around and New Japan, you know, New Japan Pro Wrestling was on fire. And uh, Adrian, you know, headlined uh, the uh, tour, you know, as a newcomer. Not the blonde hair Adrian, but the dark hair, you know, Adrian with 
black writer's leather jacket with NY New York logo in his back. That was, you know, his prime, you know, this costume, you know. That was right off his New York WWF run, you know, their series of title match against Bob Backlund then, you know. And he was one of Backlund's best opponents. I think so. I think so. I think so. So the best matches? Yeah. 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 And that was in his prime, you know. See, he died when he was like 34. So when they had, when he had back about back in title match he would have been 28 29 or something very young huh yeah no that's about right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. he was here did you yeah did you work west coast right he, he worked a lot of west coast he worked portland so um has i it's my understanding you know he was in in uh, california in los angeles under the name keith his real name keith franks yeah and, yeah and he uh, met piper and it was Piper right. that uh, told him to come to Portland. And when I was here, when I saw them, it was a really great tag team. He was a tag team with Ron Starr. And he and Ron Starr were like the two top baby faces. And both of them. Baby faces. Eh? Yeah, baby faces. They eh. both complemented each other really well in the sense that they both had a really smooth style with, you know, a eh. lot of flair and drop kicks and rolls and arm drags and, you know, a very spectacular oh, style. Good. Oh, very athletic. Very athletic for the time. Uh, you know, they oh, both, for the time, yes. They both fought against Buddy Rose and the Sheep Herders and ah. the Army and, and all of those things. And, uh, no, it ah. was, they were really dynamic. And to see two big bump takers, two kind of heavy, oh, real chubby, bump yes. heavy, chubby bump takers, like kind Adrian of chubby, and, always, yeah. Adrian Adonis yeah. and Buddy Rose fighting each other. They were some very entertaining matches. Oh, wow. They're both bump taking guys. Yeah. 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 So that was, ah. that was a lot of fun. And then also at the time, um, yeah. it was the dying days of San Francisco and Roy Shire's territory. Right, Roy Shire's territory, yes. Right, so so the Northwest guys would go down, Buddy and like Ron Starr and stuff. I think Ron Starr also won the Shire U.S. title for a time. And right, back to and remind with, with you know, our listeners, you know, they were relatively younger. Yeah. That's funny, but see... Portland, you know, down the office, right? And then uh, San Francisco, Roy Shires, and go down south a little bit more that uh, Mike LaBelle's LA, you know, Los Angeles territory. They are very, not so far from each other, but they did not have common television. And uh, not so far from each other, but to talk about, say, uh, people like uh, Moondock, Lonnie Main, or Roddy Piper, one territory there, baby face, and over the week, you know, the, the same weekend, come down to LA, and then they were the heels, or vice versa. But the people did not know about it then. You know? Same thing with um, up in uh, Vancouver, the Don Owen guys. Oh, Vancouver, Jim Kaniskis. They would do TV yeah. up in Vancouver, Piper or. Uh, or Rick Martel. Matter of fact, one of the famous videos on YouTube of Piper hitting his head. I think there are two videos on YouTube that I'm aware of of Piper breaking a beer bottle over his head. Beer bottle, is, yeah. One yeah. is in Portland, and the other. A lot of p- times people think it's in Portland, but no, it's actually in Vancouver. I think with El Tomco. Okay, El Tomco. Okay, yeah. So that's just yeah. It happened just... same time, but this is, yeah, Piper, same person being. Heel in one place and being babyface in the other place. Yeah. All at the same time. But uh, back then, there was no internet. There was no email. You know, nothing. They did not know. What happens in your own territory is what you're going to know and what you're going to watch. And this is the only wrestling you know. Yeah. 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 So talk about when you first met Adrian Adonis. Yeah, that was in Minnesota back in 1979. See, he changed his name right before AWA. He was working in Texas Amarillo, you know, Funk's territory. That's when he became Adrian Adonis. Did Terry give him the, that name? I did not know, but uh, it was f- about his Italian heritage, you know, Adrian from Adria, you know, o- Ocean up in Italy. And Adonis is uh, named one of the characters in, in the Greek myth. You know that uh, Adonis is uh, one of the Greek uh, 
that uh, kind of narcissist character you fell in love with yourself looking in the water you know yourself and you fell in love you know you you know with yourself and die or something this is a myth so a a adrian adani somebody must have came up with it you know so could uh, be funk i can ask now he was he was nice enough to you though you were he was approachable yeah, yeah, because he, he and also um, was, I'm going to Japan, you know, uh, do you know any good nightclubs? Oh, what do I know then? But uh, he was willing to, you know, you know, kind of, you know, sit down and chat, you know, friendly, very friendly, you know. Another reason probably was that the, the AWA dressing room was full of the veterans, right? Older guys, you have Vern Gagne, the Mad Dog Vashon, the, the Crusher, the uh, Vern Von Rashke, there's a bunch of old guys, huh? And, the Jesse, and Jesse Venter and Adrian Adonis were young guys back then, you know, very young. And uh, I guess they had fun. They, hey, come over, you know, sit down, you know. Just, okay. Uh, I was able to sit down and talk with him, you know. I felt good. Did they yeah. kayfabe you, or were they pretty honest? Uh, I probably, to be honest with you, I didn't know which, you know, one from the other, you know? Yeah. It's, to me, back then, you know, like I was young enough that everybody's in character, you know? Yeah. But now, uh, Adrian was a fr friendly one. Right, <clears throat> and, then, and then your relationship grew from there. Yeah, because he went to he went to New York, he went to Japan, and I um, started working, you know, more and more with you know Japanese wrestling magazine, and uh, well, they recognized my photos and articles in the magazine. So, okay, you must be okay, right? So uh, and then they started coming to Japan regularly, Adrian especially, and uh, yeah, he um, one summer he invited me over to Bakersfield home, you know, I flew to LA, then switched plane. This scary looking, yeah, back then, scary looking commuter plane that only carries like six to eight people in a commuter plane over the desert. And then went to uh, Bakersfield. Um, then uh, he was at the Bakersfield airport looking, you know, waiting, you know, waiting for me with his red Corvette. <laughs> you know? Then, what uh, kind of driver he, was he? Oh, he was going like a 75, 80 miles an hour on desert, you know? <laughs> just what you would imagine from this, you know, real cool heel, you know, Adrian Adonis in his prime, you know. Uh, God, that was uh, that was summer of 85, 84, 85, yeah, yeah. And Adrian was a real good wrestler. And also, see, when he went back to WWE, WWF at the time, was you know Vince McMahon's 1984 you know format that uh, they gathered up over 100 wrestlers, running three shows in three cities at a time, and uh, everybody was all real busy. And he, Adrian stopped coming to Japan. And when I watched you know WWE tapes at the time, he started doing a gay act, right? So that was his last run. Then two or three years later, 1987 spring, he quit WWE and came back to New Japan. You know what I'm saying? Right now, still a lot kind of. Hit. What was? Yeah. Did you talk to him? Were you in contact with him when he was in WWE during that? Uh, no, run? no, I didn't talk to him at all. Um, I wanted to speak with him. So right when he came back to New Japan. Just like I said, you know, like 10 minutes ago, I went to Keo Plaza Hotel and called his room from lobby. May I speak to Keith? He says, who the fuck are you? Like, who is it? Who the fuck are you? Like, he was very careful about it. Like, this is Fumi. Like, oh, all right, come on, come on up. So I went back and up to his room. <laughs> Being here, you know, who is that? Because nobody calls him Keith there, you know? Right. Yeah. But uh, he dyed his hair, you know, back to his normal dark brunette black hair, and he was trying to, you know, go on a diet. You know, I wouldn't want to say, but uh, he quit all the chemicals, you know, and uh, he was having very, you know, trying to have a very good attitude about wrestling again. Quit WWE, 
and I'm going to start going to smaller territory. I'm going to start coming back to Japan. I'm going to lose 50 pounds, and I'm going to have another run. Such a good attitude, right? Well, he's, and he was only 34, as you mentioned, when he died. So yeah, it was yeah. time so, uh, for another start going run. back to smaller territory and uh, lose. I mean, he was going to lose 50 pounds and go back to, you know, like uh, he once was. And right when he had uh, had this having great attitude in the first territory, he went to summer territory in Newfoundland, you know, way up in Canada, you know. And right when he had good attitude, God had to take him. That's how I remember. Did he ever talk about why he quit WWE? Um, mm, wasn't happy. Wasn't happy. That's that's what he was saying. Because I had Not always happy. heard, I had always heard that he was fired. That's, yeah. And and again, I mean, I I don't probably know. did. I don't know. But uh, people don't say you are fired, and you would tell your friends he quit. You know. Right. Sure. Yeah. So then, whether he he was fired or whether he whether he he quit, it wasn't very important to me. It wasn't. You know. Adrian Adan is having great attitude once again and dyed his hair back to his normal color and he was not doing his gay act. He had this black leather jacket on. He was still too fat to wear that, but uh, started wearing the sh you know, black short trunks and uh, want start, you know, wanted to work like Adrian Adan is once again. And uh, when you, right when you had good attitude, then went to small territory, summer territory, that Newfoundland, you know, up in Northeast Canada, that's the territory only runs during summer, you know? And uh, he and his car hit the deer, and then he died, you know? And so did uh, Wildman, was it Dave McKinley? Yeah, yeah, Wildman, the Canadian Wildman, and the one half of uh, Kelly Twins, too. And... Uh, it was one of those summer that the sun never goes down, you know. In Newfoundland, so it was Newfoundland, yeah, yeah, like a bright sunlight all night long, you know, crazy, you know, and you hit the big deer on the edge of your mountain in a cliff, and uh, actually there was another car behind their van. After they, um, their in the van went down. Another group of wrestlers traveling with them uh, that uh, they went in and took their stuff too, you know? Did, did you hear about that? No, I didn't. Yeah. Before they called police and, you know, report or 911 or ambulance, anything like that, group of wrestlers who were driving behind them took their stuff from drying people, you know, people. I heard that probably 10 15 years later they got them though they got them you mean they robbed you know? them they robbed the yes characters. yeah the people drying you know but they robbed their stuff you know but they got them well, you know why scummy. why because these dying guys none of them had wallet or id with them no way right yeah that's pretty uh obvious yeah Right, so they got them, yeah. Wow, what so, a terrible thing to do to someone as they're dying. Oh God, yeah, dead. horrible. That's, but that's I didn't hear about it, despicable. you know, until like a ten, yeah, like a mid mid nineteen nineties. That do you know what happened? There was another car behind them, and you know, you know what they did. So like horrible story they were telling, but the justice was done. So that part it was not so publicized, you know. But, uh, yeah, so this is the time that we can, we have to think about Adrian because we talked about Brody, you know, and uh, this was around the same time, same year. And uh, in, in a lot of ways, Adrian Adonis was equally talented, you know, So at one point. One of the things I remember asking you when we first yeah. met, uh, yeah. this is from a long time ago. You know, my wife does oh. not follow too much wrestling. Carrie, who you know. Okay. And yeah. um, she remembers the TV show Hogan Knows Best, and on that yeah. show was Brian Knobs. And my wife thinks Brian Knobs is the grossest person on the planet. <laughs> yeah. Now, I think it was you and I, we, Carrie started bringing up Brian Knobs, and then you mentioned 
And we were like, yeah, yeah. why does Hogan keep Brian Knobs around? And you because. have. Tell me, tell yeah. everybody, tell everybody the kind of connection, Brian Knobs, Hulk Hogan, Adrian Adonis. Because Brian Knobs remind him of old pal Adrian Adonis. You know, Adrian and Hogan was close. You know, they were working against each other in the ring. But in during the New York run or New Japan tours, they were pretty tight. You know, they, they came to Japan, you know, on a lot of tours together and spent three weeks tour together. They, you know, eat together. They went to gym and worked out together and, you know, spent nightlife, you know, go to Japanese bar together, hang out with people. They were friends, you know, Adrian and Hogan. Uh, they were friends, very good friends. And they were tight. And even to this day, um, at Hogan's home living room, there's a photo of Adrian, you know, on, on the wall, you know, small, you know, small photo, you know, kind of like your high school wallet size photo, but the, the, the Adrian Adani's you know, photo is still on, on Hulk Hogan's living room. They were friends, tight, you know, and I, 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 I was there once that the, Adrian was calling him Terry, you know, and not a Hulkster or Hulk or anything like that. Yo, Terry. So, real first name. Friends, you know? So, yeah, right. <laughs> Brian Adonis, Nobs, huh? Adonis was kind of a character. Yeah. Yeah, kind of in character, but I think it, that the character, just like many wrestlers, that the, your wrestling character took over your person, personality. And... Uh, he himself couldn't differentiate anymore at one point. It happens to a lot of wrestlers, you know. There, it was wrestling character, but you do that so much, so many years, that uh, it really became you, and uh, at, at, at the end, you didn't know which was you, you know. But he was he was <sighs> kind of wild at times, I guess. Was he wild like Brian Knobs Yeah, crazy? I think so. I think so, because um, he did a lot of crazy things. You know, at the times they were, you know, it's like a wrestling tale. You know, you always have a lot of beer driving, you know, and he always loved this, you know, uh, not a foot, like a two foot long French bread sandwich. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like uh, a sub long, sandwich. Yeah, like a big sub. Yeah, like but the hobby. long one, the French bread, that's a taller, it's like a foot and a half long sandwich, you know, you eat that. And you got the pulled over by a cop, you know, for drink, you know, like a driving wild. And then the, he had the big, huge foot and a half long French bread, sand, you know, subway sandwich because of it, that uh, it didn't show. It must have soaked up all the alcohol and beer, you know, and the bread. And then this test didn't show. He had no alcohol, you know, <laughs> you know, that uh, evidence, you know. That was weird. And uh, wild, wild kind of thing. Yeah. Ah, wrestling tricks. The tricks of the trade. Yeah. Terry Funk loved him, too. You know, Adrian. Yeah. What was uh, yeah. What was his wife? Did you meet his wife? B, yes. Yeah. Did she like yeah. wrestling? Was she tolerant? What was kind of her, her I don't attitude? think they followed wrestling. And also, there was daughter, young daughter, that uh, they did not let her watch wrestling. While he was doing gay acts, especially, you know, that uh, she, yeah, yeah, they made sure that, the, you know, their daughter did not watch wrestling. It wasn't interested in it, so it was good, you know, that, that was good. But the, sometimes you make sure, you know, what they're doing is not what kids want to watch or you want, want, you let your kids watch it. So it's like, don't let her watch wrestling was their rules, I think. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, I'd known of Adrian Adonis, obviously, before he got to the WWF. And yeah, and when he, yeah. it just, I mean, I didn't know anything. I was a kid back then. So I didn't know, you know, the way yeah. wrestling worked as far as, you know, the car. So you, you believed his come out of, no, come out no, of closet I didn't, I didn't character? No, I didn't. What I, I guess what I'm saying is it seemed obvious to me that this wasn't his idea. And Oh, it, no. And this oh. was that that this was just a job that he was 
kind of just, okay, you want me to put on this stupid dress and look like this fat old lady? Well, then I'll put on this stupid dress and look like this fat old lady. But I didn't understand, you know, kind of like the boss, you know, you listen to the boss and the boss is... I knew people were told to win. You were boss, yeah. And also now we're old enough to think that uh, it must have been some kind of rib, right? Yeah, a punishment. Yeah, yeah. Or if you you know make him do that, he he'll quit, you know. Or he'll get in shape. I felt like it was a punishment because of his body type. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when he was, he said. Um, I don't want to say it because I didn't, you know, I wasn't there in that room. But uh, at the time when he made such, you know, big money run, he spent a lot of money doing, you know, toot, you know, and gotcha. uh, yeah, yeah. At the time, he spent a lot of money, like a one thousand dollar a night, you know. Oh wow! Just and, up the uh, nose. That's terrible. Wow. Yeah, but uh, so it was more popular then than it is now, you know. Uh, so you made more money than you know what to do about sometimes, you know. Well, and and also they're on the road 30 days a year yeah. or, or 15 30 days a month. Days on, yeah, 15, 20, you know, 20 days on, two days off. Another 15, 20 days on, two days off. And it's a crazy schedule they were running, at, yeah. you know. And sometimes, sometimes more. I mean, Piper would always talk about that. Like one yeah. time he ended up working like 60 days straight. Straight, right. And then yeah. they gave him a ticket to Portland and he wasn't paying attention. And he claims that they sent him to Portland, Maine just to mess with him as opposed to going home to Portland, Oregon, which is all the Somebody way across lived, the yeah. country. Uh, ah. You know, and a lot of times the drugs, yeah, they were recreational, but they also were to, you know, you got to get up because you got to go. Oh, you got to go to bed. Yeah. You need something to go to bed. You know, and you right. also need to to blow off some steam and stuff. And I'm not, I I'm guess... not saying that's okay. I'm just trying to explain no, no. why people do what they did back then because it was a brutal mm-hmm. schedule. Mm-hmm. Oh, brutal. Now they got the wellness policy and a drug test and more controlled and uh, yeah, they're healthier. And a better schedule. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, of course. But uh, yeah, that was then. And I wouldn't say he was a victim of circumstance or anything, but uh, and also died that young, you know. Was, did he have happy life? And I still want to say, yes, he had happy life, you know. But uh, right when he had better attitude, good attitude, you know, I'm going back to smaller territory and start working summer territory and get back in shape and do this and do that. And he was telling me all his positive plans. And I was going, all right, yeah, right? Then two months later, you hear the news, he's dead. It was May of 1988, I spoke with him last time, he was in Japan. Then. he was going was gonna to go to summer territory in Newfoundland, you know, and spend summer there. I'll be back in fall, you know. That was the last time I spoke with him. And two months later, he's dead, you know. And uh, it was very shocking. Yeah. Well, we all Good remember, wrestler, though. Good yeah, wrestler. Great wrestler. Yeah, I mean, when you watch, don't watch, even even when he was really heavy in WWE, um, the yeah. gay gimmick, Um he could still move really well and take some. There's a one stops. match on, on you can find on YouTube, Adrian Adonis against Andrew the Giant single match in Japan. You could almost say Adrian Adonis in his prime almost beat in Andrew the Giant. He was like a '83, I want to say, yeah, 1983 match. Adrian Adonis against Andrew the Giant on YouTube. You can find that was like. He was this good, you know? How respected he, was he in Japan? Um, I'm sure he, yeah, you mean among peer or fans? Either one or both. Yeah, well, people, like older fans, like the older fan, fans that we just talked about, a lot of the older fans kind of left wrestling, you know? See, if you're 55, 45, 50, 55 years old wrestling fan, I don't think these, you know, older wrestling, Japanese wrestling fan watch today's New Japan. They do not watch Kenny Omega, you know what I'm saying? But uh, remember Adrian Adonis, 
Cowboy Bob Orton, those wrestlers, you know, very funnily, you know. They, God, they were good back then, you know. If you watch Kenny Omega, the Will Ospreay, the, you know, it's like a, I'm sure they do more things and better thing and, and Spectre look, you know, looking things and a lot more, you know, um, like a fast-paced good things now, but the, your memory works <laughs> differently, you know. What you watched 30 years ago when you were younger, you think that was better, you know. And people remember Adrian Adonis was one of the best. Oh, he was good, you know. And uh, and some some of these wrestling fans left wrestling after that, so memory stays that way. Yeah, yeah I've got a lot of good memories of, of Adrian. Yeah, Adrian was good. And the people remember Adrian Adonis as a t- and Bob Orton as his tag team partner, more so than Jesse Ventura here, you know. Adrian and Bob Orton was regular tag team here. And also Adrian Adonis and Dick Murdoch together in Japan. You know, there's yeah, I, they were a great tag team. They were WWE oh, yeah, tag yeah. team champions. Yeah, they were. They were either kind of, like, of them had good body or anything, you right. know. But uh, oh, yeah, they were good. No, they were. They were. They were great. I forgot about you. Maybe like, how could I forget that? That was arguably right. Adrian and Dick run. Murdoch together. Yeah, yeah. I guess Dick I guess, Murdoch babysitting Adrian. I guess because they were kind of the last tag team champions before the big WWF national run. I think right. they kind of forgot. They were somewhat part of it, though. But the Dick Murdoch refused to take that kind of schedule and quit. Yeah. You know. Yeah, they were a little yeah. bit a part of it, but they they were kind of gone before. Like Barry Windham and Mike Rotunda beat him, and then we were off to the races with the national scene. With the I national guess, push. yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Everything was on television. Yeah. Everything in Saturday night's main event and, and all of that stuff. So. Oh yeah, wrestling spot, wrestling superstars. How many shows are there? You know. <laughs> Which, you know, there's also, it reminds me, um, in I, I was a kid, and I think I, I was homesick from school, and this must have been 1982, maybe 81, mm. Mm. and Phil Donahue was, you, did you remember Phil Donahue on television? Phil Donahue. He was a talk okay. show host. He had a daytime okay. talk show host where you'd talk about different issues, and the yeah. day I was home from school, just by yeah. chance... They had the AWA wrestlers on this talk show with people in the audience, sort of like an okay. Oprah and Ellen type of audience, but with Phil Donahue. Okay. More issue-oriented. Studio, yeah. Yeah, studio. And they had a ring set up in the studio, and they had chairs set up where the wrestlers would talk, and, you know, all the none of the crowd believes that wrestling is real, and Vern is doing his best to say, well, you know, the, reason we, don't, we, the reason we don't get black eyes is because the skin gets tougher and calloused over time because you we take... That- so much much punished but he's just he's doing his best by god he's yeah, doing his best. old-fashioned and don is don or phil donahue is being very kind to him about everything and not you know not believing him but also not being a jerk to him and adrian adonis is there and some yeah. woman stands up some you know woman probably middle-aged at the time stands up and criticizing yeah. that it's phony and stuff and adrian just rips her apart and rips on her looks and you know calls her fat and ugly and feels bad for her husband and all of this stuff uh, it's on it's on youtube if you could find it it's it's fairly entertaining but yeah and then right at the very oh end, he had mouth yeah 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 boy did he ever and then right at the very end uh, Hulk Hogan yeah. comes out right as the show is ending, and Hogan was pretty early in the AWA at that point, so that was kind of yeah. an exciting time. But First was... babyface run. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So no, Adrian Adonis just eviscerates this woman in the audience of this talk show, and it was just—it's really funny. It's a—it's an entertaining, breezy forty-five minutes or so. I'm sure if you look up like it's on YouTube, I'm gonna look for it. Yeah, yeah. Phil Donahue, yeah. probably AWA wrestling or something like that. You can you can find yeah. it pretty easily, I would imagine. If I find uh, the link, okay. I'll, I'll post it. But it's it's out there, and it's it's kind of funny. But yeah, Adrian just just eviscerates this woman. Right, right. Oh. I miss, oh, Adrian. Very good. I miss Adrian. I miss Adrian. Yeah, thank you for good. sharing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all the stuff about your friend. Uh, I, I still talk, you know, like I think about him, you know, because what if, you know? Well, he was 34, so 30 years later, he's 64 now. He would have been, right? But he wouldn't be wrestling, you know? So, uh, yeah, what would he be doing, kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah, yeah. Probably retired, yeah. Yeah, probably retired, probably maybe have a grandchild, something like that. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And also, somebody's a, a friend of mine is a friend with Mrs. Adrian Adonis B on Facebook, and uh, they were saying you know they have grandchildren too. So, well, that's yeah. very nice. Yeah, yeah. But still, every July, that's the time, July 4th, that's an American Independence Day, but also the day you think about Adrian Adonis. Yeah, usually I do. Usually I do. Yeah, I do too, yeah. So uh, he lives, you know, and his legacy lives. And, uh, yeah, it's a good thing. Well, really, thanks so much for, uh, for sharing <laughs> everything. That's really, I know that oftentimes you're, you're a very private and humble person, and I know that it isn't always the most the easiest thing for you to talk about things like this. So, I appreciate it. I'm sure everybody listening. Yeah, because well, because this week you know we had to talk about, of course, Brody, Masa, Motoko Baba, Adrian Dennis. They're all gone to heaven. Oh my gosh, you know. And uh, well, next episode, let's talk about somebody who's still around. Yes, let's <laughs> do know. that. Yeah, we've yeah. had. Uh, but we've... Uh, oh, God bless all of them. You know. Yeah, we've had we've had too much. Too many people passing, so yeah, we need to. Yeah, yeah. We need to stop talking about that stuff and talk about some happy things. But we will do that. Uh, right, next amen. Time. Yeah, yeah, amen. And yeah. we will talk about that stuff next time. Now, for people who want to connect with you, where can they find you? All right, on Twitter, Fumihiko Dayo, F U M I H I K O D A Y O, and Fumi Saito. You can find me on Facebook also. All right, and I'm at uh, Jim Valley, J-I-M-V-A-L-L-E-Y, on Twitter and Facebook. Be sure to follow us. We'll post some of those links that we were talking about, about Adrian Adonis and some yeah. other stuff. And be sure to share the show. Thank you to everybody who's been listening yeah. to the show on uh, Master Saito and your interview with Bruiser Brody and our interview that we did a little while ago with Brody's widow. So uh, yes. thank you Bye -bye. for all of the numbers. Please share the show and uh, let people know about it. We really appreciate uh, the renewed interest in the show. So thank you again. And until next time. So long from Tokyo. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>